welcome to 2020, Karan. <laughs> welcome, Shasana. How are you? We're launching our first full season. This is this is uh, episode one of our first full season, which yes. we should say really quickly that we recorded in December, mm-hmm. just as a disclaimer. So as you just listen to the, the events holidays, of yeah. the uh, of what we're talking about, it's still relevant. I think we're talking I about so. you know yeah. Quebec and race and politics as we generally do, but um, and I think that's the also spur... the focus of our first season. Yeah, uh, yeah. Primarily, uh, but the yeah. spur of this this particular episode were events that happened in 2019, December 2019. So. Um, so we hope that you enjoy the conversation and we're looking forward to engaging with you and hearing your thoughts as always um, and having a conversation like we do this so that we can kind of engage and have, you know, dialogue. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, before we begin, though, we really should, um, you know, send our condolences and our thoughts to the families of the victims of the Ukraine um, plane crash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the the aircraft that was uh, now I guess what's emerged and I'm not going to uh, opine on that at all but what's emerged is there was an er- erroneous strike by the Iranians and as a as a defense to what was going to be a U.S. strike um, it hit a passenger aircraft of Ukraine, Ukrainian airlines that flew out of Tehran and 176 passengers uh, lost their lives mm-hmm. so we extend our condolences to all the families a lot of those families were Canadian nationals mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter your nationality doesn't matter yeah. loss of life is a loss of life so um and obviously um it also can be triggering to other people uh, who've had uh, family members who've lost their lives in other aircraft tragedies in the past mm-hmm. um and i i'll refrain from mentioning those but just uh, i actually i feel like i'm welling up just talking about it even though i've never suffered such a loss so our condolences yeah. to all the family it's such a significant loss of life i mean absolutely um yeah so just to take a moment to extend our thoughts before we begin. To families and friends, yeah. We're in the midst of um, a leadership race in the Liberal Party of Quebec. Uh, obviously, Philippe Couillard, the former premier, lost the election last year with uh, the coalition near Quebec winning the election under François Legault, who's the current premier. Um, and as happens post an election, the losing party is going through a leadership uh, review and Philippe Couillard resigned and left caucus. So we have a bunch of candidates that that have thrown in their hats in the ring to be considered, which I believe the leadership election for the Liberal Party will happen sometime in the summer, I believe end of May 2020. Yeah. So we have a bunch of candidates and some are interesting and some we'd like to talk about. Um, there is obviously um, Alexandre Cousin, who's the other uh, candidate who's thrown their hat in the ring. Mm-hmm. There's other people like Pierre Moreau and um, Carlos Letiot and all these people from uh, Cuillard's cabinet who have actually declined to pursue their candidacy. So the other very uh, important candidate, I think one of the two actually left uh, in the race officially, is uh, obviously Madame Dominique Angland. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is also running for the, the leadership of the party. Uh, there have been rumors that Denis Coderre, the former mayor of yes, I've heard this as well Montreal, who's actually leading in the opinion polls, which is hilarious. Well, that's funny because he's he such a polarizing even... figure, first and of all, and in like Montreal politics, and he hasn't declared either. He hasn't declared, and yet I think it's also about uh, name recognition. Sure, that always gives you a bit of uh, a head start. So Denis Coderre's name is being floated around as one of the third candidates but um, in recent uh, weeks since uh, Dominique Langland declared that she will actually pers- be pursuing the leadership of the Liberal Party uh, there was a, obviously as a woman of color 
controversies weren't far behind. Yes, of course. Um, in, we are in Quebec after all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a bit interesting, a bit, I don't know, a bit of factoid about uh, Dominique and people who don't know about her. She was actually in the, the CAC, right? She yeah. was part of the Coalition of Near Quebec. Yes. Till a few years ago yes. when she left and then joined the Liberal Party. Mm-hmm. Um, she's declared her candidacy. And recently uh, what happened was in talking about, uh, again, people who don't know, she's of Haitian uh, background. Her parents mm-hmm. are Haitian Canadians. Uh, they immigrated to Quebec. and Large population of Haitian Canadians in, in Montreal particularly, in, but in Quebec. In Quebec uh, as a whole. And being a woman of color, she'll be the first woman of color who is, I believe, uh, seeking the leadership of the Liberal Party of Quebec mm-hmm. or any other um, Quebec political party. The leadership of the party, yes. Yeah, no other woman of color has ever sought that. And um, so I, I believe there was an exchange with a journalist uh, where somebody asked a question to Dominique and she responded a certain way and then she was uh, being... And there were obviously murmurs behind the scenes. Yeah, there's within, kind of been a whisper campaign behind her behind back. Behind her back within of, the party in terms of the credibility of somebody who's a woman of color and how her candidacy will be seen as... Yes, her electability in the rest of Quebec, maybe... Yeah, outside of the... Out of Montreal. ...region of Montreal, where we say what we sometimes deem as rural Quebec, right? Sure. Um, so there's always been these murmurs and there's some sort of, I think, whisper campaign, as Shazma was noting, within the Liberal Party in terms of her electability and how a black woman would be seen by, obviously, a majoritarian white populace in outside of the region of Montreal. Mm-hmm. And then when she did say that, well, she's of Haitian origin and she obviously owned her identity, mm-hmm. um, she was being... Um, Labeled. She was labeled and she was also being vilified as playing the race card, yeah. that now she's playing the race card as this person of color. So I guess that just begs the question, what does it mean to play the race card? I'm going to take issue with that term to begin with, right? Um, I have so many problems with this phrase of pulling the race card. Because number one, there are so many implications or um, assumptions made when we say that about people that are um, are calling out systemic racism, calling out or racism, you know, uh, racist interactions or owning their identity, right? In whatever context, it's always, oh, you're pulling the race card. Um, we don't live in a post-race society, guys. Race like, is still very relevant yeah, and real. I mean, if you are co- like legitimately colorblind, I apologize for this next comment. However, you're not colorblind. You can see the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It is who I am. Mm-hmm. Owning that identity alone, sh- it shouldn't be a pejorative term to be like you're pulling the race card. Mm-hmm. And even to pull the race card as an action, as a verb, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. It means that we do not live in an equitable society. It means that there is a quote unquote card to be pulled. Secondly, this is not a game, guys. Like Mm -hmm. the deck is stacked against us anyways. So me pulling the race card, quote unquote, is not an advantage to me. Mm -hmm. And I I think just to add there, what uh, seems problematic to me is that this is the first woman of color. In 2019, we're in the 21st century, right? In 2019, a first time woman of color who's seeking the leadership of a political party in Quebec. Of not just any political party either. This is a political party that federally at least, or even provincially, uh, promotes itself as the progressive or the more progressive choice, right? Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's just so tone deaf and problematic to even have this be a conversation, given the context of uh, the election that we just had, where mm-hmm. we had, you know, blackface scandals, where we've had the most kind of robust, and it wasn't even a robust, uh, conversation around race in this country t- 
to begin with and in this province to begin with. And we can talk about Jagmeet Singh at some point in time um, and how he was received in Quebec. Um, it's just, it's so dismissive and it erases the reality of the situation. It erases the experiences of black, indigenous and people of color. Um, as you know, moving through this world as not the not the normative or not the majority identity. person or identity, um, and frankly, it re-victimizes people who have been victims of racism to begin with. And I think what for me important the the important discussion in all this is what does it even mean? Because obviously, when you're saying you're playing the race card, i.e., you are othering them by saying they're not part of the majority, right? They don't look like the majority. Mm-hmm. So then, to me, that begs the question: What does it mean to be a Quebecer? What does it mean to be a Quebecois, Quebecoise as part of the majority? Because obviously, Dominique is a francophone. She is a French-speaking person, mm-hmm. right? She was born in Quebec, right? Does she qualify as Quebecoise? Mm-hmm. That she is more palpable to the rest of Quebec or yeah. people who live outside the regions of Montreal. So what does it mean to be Quebecois? Yeah. That's the question I want to ask. I've lived in Montreal or Quebec for 15 years, right? I immigrated here. I know more about my identity in Quebec than the country of my origin. I have a life here. I have a family here. I have work here. Am I less Quebecois because I'm not? I don't look a certain way or my mother tongue is not French? That's my question. Yeah, well, that kind of begs all of these conversations around linguistic supremacy and um, do you speak French to begin with at all? Cause, so I came here from Toronto and um, with, you know, minimal French skills or, you know, it, yeah, minimal French skills, let's be honest. Um, and there's always this question of belonging. Like, how can you belong in a society that... Um, places such a kind of prize on knowing this one particular language, even for you to be able to function in society, for you to be able to access services, really, um, to the point where, you know, it's been challenging, actually, for me to access services in English, Mm -hmm. in a province that's, so yes, French is the primary, but, you know, we're, we're bilingual, we're meant to be bilingual, um, and I think that's always the debate, right, are we meant to be bilingual in Quebec, and, I'm all for protectionism of any language. I believe that I don't know if a language or a culture can be protected. I The merits of that of the jury, I believe, is out. Sure. Right? But I do believe that, sure, if you want to preserve a certain way of life, a certain language for reasons of nostalgia or obviously to placate a majoritarian population, sure, there can be an argument yeah. made for that. My argument has always been, are we doing the right, taking the right steps to actually protect a language and a culture? And... In talking about protectionism, are we having a holistic discussion? Because we cannot be oblivious to the history of this land, of this province, when we're creating these kind of hybrid identities or these, I believe, fake identities of who is a Quebecer and who is not. Mm-hmm. Well, that also begs the question, like, do do people of color um, and black people and indigenous people, like, would they even identify as being Quebecer? That's to a begin with? question. Like, what, what does that checklist look like? Like, what do I have to look like? What do I have to mm-hmm. sound like? What, <laughs> like, do I have to eat croissant every day or some stupid, like, it's a ridiculous thing to even contemplate. No, and by even the, in terms of cultural discourse, whenever we do refer to a Quebecer, the stereotype or the image in our head is a white francophone of person, right? And that's what no. we see in the media. That's the, all of our cultural representations of what a Quebecer is, Absolutely. is in that image. Absolutely. And there's nothing done to deconstruct that. So if I say, oh, je suis Quebecois, you'd be like, mais vous viens d'où? Right? Yeah. Where did you come from? Exactly. Right? So that's why I think for me it's important yeah. that we deconstruct this, I guess, an archaic identity of what a Quebecer means yeah. because we live in a province that 
has people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Immigrants are coming into this country. There's people who have lived here for not just new immigrants, but people mm-hmm. who've immigrated a uh, hundred years ago that are part of this uh, province and that are part of the society. Mm-hmm. Do they qualify that checklist of what it means to be a Quebecer? Well, because in my understanding, there's Quebecers, there's mm-hmm. Anglophones, Allophones, there's ethnic minorities, there's all of this range, but the the primary kind of majoritarian um, population is white Francophone. the white white Quebecer, yeah, right? White Francophone. Um, and I think to uh, going back to the whole discussion about uh, Dominique Anglade and how she's being now vilified for playing the race card. I don't know how she should not play the race card. What she's, is she supposed to be? She is the first <laughs> woman of color, a black woman who's seeking the leadership race. So if people will say that, oh, I'm not sure if. The rest of Quebec is ready to see a woman of color as the head of one of the two principal parties or one of the three principal parties in Quebec. I think that is the the only response she can have, that she is who she is. She's not going to like... Well, it was the same conversation around Jagmeet Singh's electability in this province, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, will Quebec elect a, a, a brown, a turban-wearing brown bearded man? And some, obviously because uh, it goes against the ethos of secularism or... Claimed nice secularism, city. claimed secularism in in this province. So, Shout out, we have an episode on secularism. You can check it out in our feed. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, um, because somebody like Jagmeet Sim, who uh, the NDP lost both votes and seats in this election. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a very valid discussion to be had that do we live in a post-racial world? We might live in a post-fact world, <laughs> but we definitely don't live in post-race as long as white supremacy exists. Both of this province and outside. And um, so going back to this whole idea that do I do I qualify as a Quebecer? Because I'm very happy to identify as a Quebecer because I live in this province. This is the only place I've lived in Canada. So my Canadian identity is kind of easily hyphenated or rooted in my Quebec identity because mm-hmm. I have had no other identity, right? But I'm also always hesitant to say that, oh, I'm a I'm yeah, Quebecois because... I don't identify. For me, it's it's hard to explain myself because the question will be ready, but okay. But where are you from? Where but you know, you, you get that question no matter where you're from. You get that question in Toronto too. But where are you from? No, but where are you from? From, from? No, but like, where are your parents from? And like, where you like, where are you from? From? <laughs> yeah, because obviously, I cannot ask a white person where they're from, right? Because well, <laughs> I'm from Canada. What do you mean? We're, we're from here, right? Like... So, so I think the othering creates all these. Um, for me, it creates all these like varied hierarchical identities that becomes extremely problematic and in a province that prides itself at one that wants to have people assimilate right because you want people yeah, to integrate integrate exactly. and assimilate yeah. speak french um integrate and assimilate to the culture and have one quebec identity whatever that it means. prides itself it forces it upon us <laughs> so i think that's completely contradictory and obviously counterproductive to whatever uh, identities we want to create. Yeah. Because you cannot have a homogenous identity of any country, province, or city. It's just not impossible. Yeah. Especially in this day and age. In where this day and age, in this part of the world. People are constantly moving. So um, I'm very curious to see how the leadership race will play out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that obviously Dominique will stay in the race. Uh, it'll be interesting to see in May how people vote and who um, eventually takes reins of the the Liberal Party of Quebec. And just to note, since we're back to the Liberal Party, let's not forget that this is the same uh, party that actually um, started and then upon criticism from the the CAC, um, cancelled the public consultations on systemic racism. Well, they basically held a few months of hearings and they concluded that there is no systemic racism in Quebec. Ah, yes. That's what was concluded without actually going through a full... 
And then Monsieur Legault actually even reiterated his statement. He does not believe that. He said racism exists. But as, not, we're, Quebecers no, are not racist. So then why wouldn't they elect a, a woman of color, I ask you? <laughs> as the, or why should the Liberal Party of Quebec elect a woman of color? And why should not she be palpable? Yeah, stop your lies. Of, <laughs> well, lie. Post um, fact. That's what we're in. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that to me is going to be an interesting conversation over the next few months. And we'll definitely be following that. I'm very intrigued. Um, and, um, yeah. We want to bring back this uh, really interesting subject or like kind of a section of our podcast that we um, had done before and then it sort of fell off. I'm not really sure why. What are you reading these days, Garen? Or what like, what are you watching? What do you have to recommend to, to people? Oh, okay. Well, I've been reading, I, I guess, a hybrid of fiction, nonfiction. Um, I'm actually going to start reading uh, a book by Andre Aseman, who is the one who wrote Call Me By Your Name. Uh, it's a new book that came out, so I'm going to be reading that. I love Call Me By Your Name for the poetry of the book. I recommend people read it. I know it's branded as this kind of gay love story, but it's not. It's just about love, and it, there's a lot of poetry there that I enjoyed. I believe the, the book was much better than the movie. So uh, I recently watched, actually, Knives Out. I was talking about it just before the podcast. I was actually, I just thought that it was just going to be this kind of whodunit, which is pretty typical coming out of Hollywood, but I was pleasantly surprised that it was not just a whodunit. It was very interesting, uh, I would say minimal layering of whatever social justice you can do with a whodunit. So I recommend people watching it. It's very entertaining. I loved it. Even if you just want to watch it for Daniel Craig. Daniel also. Craig is in that? Okay. Well, I mean, eye candy, right? Yes, eye candy. Exactly. Does he? Yeah. You know what? It's, you know, it's contextual for him. It depends. For me, it depends on what he's in. Okay. okay. So well, it's, it's not it's a universal like there's, there's, I can't there's definitely you. there's definitely like uh, um, interesting doses of um, just anti-Trumpian uh, world uh, worldview that we are seeing out of um, uh, me- representation in the media. So that's why it was interesting. Another movie I do recommend is The Parasite. It's a Korean movie that I watched a few weeks ago, which is again another brilliant kind of take. I'm gonna the... limit you to two recommendations. Oh my god! Then... Okay, fine. Put this on the blog. We're fine. gonna have like a fine. must watches or must must reads uh, um, blog entry, and you can just put all of your thoughts down there. Okay, please. People please. can t- can check that out on our website. Uh, so what are you reading soon. and watching? So currently, I'm I'm gonna save us some time and limit it to two. So I'm currently is <laughs> a bit of a dig. Um, I'm currently reading um, it's this book called uh, Blind Spot: Hidden Biases of Good People, and it's by Mazarin Banerjee and Anthony Greenwald. And they in this book in a very kind of scientific but accessible way. Um, they've researched this, they've done this in, in kind of their work as psychologists, but um, they explore the hidden biases that we all carry from like a lifetime of experiences. And the fact is, I'm kind of in this context where everyone's talking about equality, diversity, or equity, diversity, and inclusion, blah, 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 intersectionality, without actually understanding what that means um, internally. We all have our blind spots. We all have things that we have lean certain biases towards and um i think it's really it's a fascinating book it's based on uh quantifiable like methods that they've employed to test implicit bias um and so that's a really good read for everybody and um not to plug amazon prime here but on amazon (laughs) prime (laughs) there's there's a really great show it's called um um, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I love that show. I love that show. I love that show. So it's kind of set in the like 50s. Yeah, yeah. 
this woman who uh, kind of becomes recently divorced or separated and then she because kind of... Her husband ex- basically just runs away on her, right? Yeah, he's... It's it's great. Sorry, I, I'm sure people... Know no, he basically things. does. It's a good, yeah, it's yeah. like the first episode, there's yeah, no spoilers, but it, yeah. she falls into um, stand-up comedy. It's so funny. It's really well written. Um, and I'm somebody who does not watch TV, but I really, really enjoy that I show. totally marathon this. I'm like waiting for for the chance to marathon the the most recent season. Season three is up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think it's so relatable and you see yourself so... I, I see myself so much like it's... It, she's white, um, a Jewish American in yeah. New York, but I see so much kind of cultural relevance uh, with her and I can relate to her on so many levels. It's just... It's a very layered, very and smart, very witty show. And the actual also is they're brilliant. They're love it. Brilliant. I love the show. Yeah. They're brilliant. I'm not a huge TV fan, so I'll stick to my one recommendation of a movie. Two, I gave you two. <laughs> I had one more. It's okay. We've got more for you. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Next time. Thank you, Shazma. <laughs> All right. So, uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts and your feedback on this episode. Um, we'll put our where you can reach us in our socials in our show notes, as well as you know all of the references that we um, alluded to in the episode. Um, So until next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. The Ethnic Vote is recorded in Montreal, hosted and created by Karan Singh and Shazma Abdullah, and produced by Alex Jureko. Music is Rewind by Jay Someday. You can find us on socials at Ethnic Vote MTL. And you can find The Ethnic Vote wherever you find podcasts. Please rate, subscribe, and share. It really does help us. Good sign for uh, Shazma's uh, future media empire. <laughs> We're already transitioning from like two ragtag friends. At that time, not friends, but now friends. Trying to make a podcast, then releasing ragtag. I'm sorry, we weren't friends? In the beginning, we just had met, remember? So oh, I just decided to uh, podcast with you. <laughs> oh my god, you're so funny. I was just, just trying to trigger you. Well, <laughs> you consider me triggered. <laughs> Stupid asshole. And then... Uh, are you start, Are you recording this? Yeah. Are you re- So you've recorded the section where he said that we weren't friends when we started this. I didn't say that. I said ragtag friends pre-friends. Outtakes. This is the kind of shit that goes in outtakes. Outtakes. <laughs> the fact that you called me an a-hole. Yeah, don't put that in it. <laughs>